0: Hey, Hickory Grove. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us today, in person or online. Uh, Travis already introduced me, but I am Jack Myrose. Uh, I used to be a student here at Grove Youth. Uh, I've been going here for about five or six years now, and now I get the opportunity to be on staff and work with a lot of the Grove Youth that I see sitting out here right now. Uh, But before we get into today's message, I want to... Just take a second to reflect on the first sermon of 2020. Uh, It was given to you by Bill Clark. Uh, Many of you know him. And uh, the the sermon was called All Things Possible. It kicked off what would come to be, I think, a couple-month sermon series called All Things Possible, talking about how in 2020 all things would be possible. And then it felt like only some things were possible in 2020. But that is a joke about Bill, not about the sovereignty of God we know with Christ, all things are possible, but shockingly enough, Bill's feel, feeling weird about that sermon, and I guess he's on vacation now, and I'm left with the responsibility of giving you guys the first sermon of 2021. Uh, but instead of backing down and, you know, playing it safe, I figured I would come with something even more bold than all things possible. I have a way that I would like to share with you guys today to make 2021 better than last year. Right? Right? I know, I was thinking the same thing. So I know my Grove youth in the audience is thinking, that's clickbait. And then I know those of you who are not Grove youth are saying, what's clickbait? (laughs) But stick with me. I promise this isn't gimmicky. This is just biblical truth. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while and you've read the Bible, you understand that there are a lot of commandments and that that is difficult. But luckily, Jesus tells us very simply that there is one commandment that is greater than the rest. And I love when the Bible does this. I love when we we are told something so clearly. Uh, That's how my brain works. And so when I get to read something like this, that clicks and I enjoy it. So in all four gospels, Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? I'm going to be reading his reply in mark 12 verse 30 it says, "And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength I've read this verse plenty of times, and I typically walk away from it thinking like, yeah, I gotta love God in a whole bunch of ways, love him with everything I got uh, with my heart, with my soul, not sure what that is, my mind and my biceps and that you know, was all I took away from it. But I decided that today maybe we could do a crash course together of what these four parts are and what it actually means to love God in these ways. So first off, we have to love God with all of our heart. This is to love God emotionally. The Bible has a lot to say about what our hearts do, why it's important, and what we're supposed to use them for. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We're talking about keeping God's commandments, not sinning against him, and then what to do with our heart. We are to store up his word in our heart. And if you're like me, when I was planning this, I thought, you know, you know, your mind would be reading the Bible, right? Heart would be something like having a relationship with God and prayer, which it is definitely those things as well. And I thought for sure, your brain is used for reading, but scripture is clear that, these words aren't just meant for our eyes, they're not just meant for our brains, they're meant to go way deeper than that. And several times in the Bible it says that we are to write God's word on the tablet of our heart, that it is to be engraved in our heart. But what do our hearts do? Proverbs twenty-seven nineteen says, As in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. Like I said, I really like the clear verses, like Mark 12.30, where it's Jesus just clearly saying what he means. And then you get poetry verses, and if you're like me, you have to read them 73 times. If you look into water, you see a reflection of your face. and This metaphor is saying that just like water is going to reflect its image, our hearts reflect our true nature. So why do we need to put God's word in our heart? so it can change us. And so when people look at us, when the world sees us, nothing is being reflected except the goodness of God. When we put God's word in our heart, we're better prepared to love Jesus. So if we're going to love God with all of our heart, we are to love God by letting his word define who we are. Next we come to soul. This one was the one that probably scared me the most. I know what our hearts are, and although we're not talking about our anatomical hearts, uh, even the graphic for this sermon is a heart that we typically think of, a, a cartoon heart, not the one that pumps our blood, but we understand that that is a common you know, cultural thing, that our hearts are not just you know, what keeps us alive. But souls are a little bit different to look at what is our soul. This is a spiritual love. How do you love God spiritually is a difficult question to answer, but luckily I have a couple practical steps. We can love God spiritually by praying and by worshiping. If you're like me, you nod your head and you're like, sweet. Travis prayed, Tim prayed, I'm going to pray later. You guys prayed, you did the first step. Tim sang songs, you stood up, worship, done. Right? And so you're like, okay, cool, spiritual love is something I have done. I love God with all of my soul but the Bible challenges us to look at that love a little differently and to look at worship differently. Romans 12:1 says, "I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual worship." Now clearly I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with praying in church. And standing up. We should do those things. We should you know, sing those words and let them mean something to us. But to actually worship God is not saying words along with Bill or standing up when Tim sings. True spiritual worship, true biblical worship is to offer your body to God as a living sacrifice. To offer everything you have your entire life as a sacrifice to God. That means you don't have control of your goals your focus belongs to God first. Everything that you love, everything that, that is important to your family, good things, your job, all of that stuff comes second only to Christ. And so we can love God with all of our soul by loving God by sacrificing your life to glorify Him. And when we do that, we're loving God with all of our soul. Now, I was excited about this one: "Love God with all of your mind. Right? I know what my brain does. At least I try to use it every once in a while. How do you love God with your mind? You love him with your thoughts. I did a quick Google search to see what your what your mind is, and it turns out your mind is the faculty of consciousness and thought. So how do we love God with all of our thoughts? What do we do with these thoughts? The Bible says that we hand these over to God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Meaning our thoughts will often lead us astray. And it can be hard to rein in your thoughts. See, I thought this one would be really simple, right? Read, comprehend, learn about God. But I think our minds are actually used for something different when we read Scripture. See, Colossians 3.2 says to set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And this is why we pray for the, the continual renewal of our mind like Paul talks about in Romans. Because we have to take every thought captive that it would obey Christ. And it can be easy to get caught up with everything that's happening around us. It can be easy for our thoughts to be here and there. And it can seem not all that harmful. One lustful thought here, one prideful thought here one thought that's actually not even bad, right? One thought that's about our family. Or maybe it's a thought about the person sitting next to you and you wouldn't want them to know it. And it can be easy to get caught up in those and easy to shrug them off. But these verses don't say that we should just, like, let that happen and just move on. The Bible says that we take those captive. That's a little bit more violent than just shrugging it off and being like, all right, you know, it's fine. It happens. That's a natural thought. I don't know what else anybody would expect from me. No, we take those captive, and thank God I've never been taken captive, but I can't imagine that it's a gentle process. We are to take these thoughts captive to do one purpose, and that is obey Christ. So we love God by letting him have reign over your thoughts. Now my muscle head's in the room. We got the strength. I know you're feeling good, like sweet, I do this and it's 2021, which means we all just finished our resolutions and half of us got gym memberships and we're going to go a whole three times and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's okay. But I I really hope you know I'm joking. Uh, Loving God with all of your strength is loving God outwardly. This means working for God and working with God. Here's what the Bible says not to do when serving God's kingdom. This passage in James 1, verses 22 through 25 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law The law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. We get another little poetry bit in here. And that last verse explains it, but I had to read this a few times to fully comprehend it. This is like a man who would look in a mirror, sees exactly what he looks like, and then walks away and immediately forgets. And I have some mornings that I wish that was a thing. But When reading God's word, we have to have a different perspective on that. We have to read God's word knowing that it has to go deeper than that. That it can hit our eyes, it can hit our brain, and it can even hit our heart. But we're deceiving ourselves if it's not going out through our actions. We can think it's in our hearts like we talked about when talking about putting scripture on our heart. But actions speak louder than words. That's a biblical concept. And this verse talks about how we must go out and prove it. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We can, we can serve all we want, but we have to serve with the right purposes. We have to be doers of the word. And we are not truly following God if we do not take these actions from what we read in the Bible. So when loving God with all your strength, you can put down the weights and love God by doing his word. Now, if you aren't given 20 minutes and a microphone to explain to your friends what the great commandment means, this is what I would say it is all about. We must love God with every part of who we are. Because the things that we love are often what keep us going, they're our motivators. So if you love your family, you probably do everything for your family. If you love your job, you work super hard for that career, but I cannot think of a better motivator than Christ. If I'm going to pour out love for every day that I'm here on earth, I want it to do nothing but be for God. And I was attending a conference virtually last week, which sounds oh so very 2020, but uh, the incredible John Piper said this, May the grand, overarching, all-embracing, all-pervasive theme of your life be the magnificence of God. Now, there's a lot of words leading up to that, but I want you to focus on the theme of your life being the magnificence of God. If you died today, what would people say? Would they say that you were really good at your job? Would they say that you were a great dad? Again, none of those things are bad. Or would they say that everything that you represented while you were here on this earth was for nothing but the glory of God? That's what I want people to say about me, and I hope you guys join me in that. But what happens when we love God like this? The Bible has a lot to say about what happens when we love God with everything we have. It says that if you love God, he will drive out the enemy. He will work all things to our good. He'll watch over us. Uh, This one sounds super cool. He will give us the crown of life. I don't fully understand what that means yet, but it sounds awesome. And my favorite he will give us grace and mercy for our sins. So there's a lot of blessings when you truly love God. The Bible promises those. But I want to flip the script a little bit and let you know that, that is not why we love God at all. We love God for a very simple reason. Tim Blake spoiled it in his prayer, but hopefully many of you know this verse already. 1 John 4:19 says We love because he first loved us. Now, if you've been sitting here this entire time and you don't know Jesus, you've maybe never heard this or you've never let it actually hit your life, then you've probably been confused. But what this verse is saying is that we are to love God with everything we have, like the great commandment tells us to, simply because of the gospel of the Bible. And I know that a lot of you have heard this, but I don't really think good news can be shared enough. So, I want to start 2021 off by telling you the gospel again. The gospel of the Bible tells us that God loved us so much that he would send his only son to come to earth and die a literal, physical, and spiritual death to take the punishment for our sins. Jesus was sacrificed taking the wrath of God. That means he didn't just die for three days. He took every punishment in hell that we deserve. But Jesus conquered these sins and this death while he was gone for three days. And he came back, resurrected, holding a crown, being a victor of sin and death. And we can be given eternal life with him in heaven instead of our life in hell that we deserve if we repent. I didn't know what that word meant for a while. And if you don't go to church, you've probably never heard that word. But what that means is that we turn away from our sins. We put our faith in Jesus, confessing him as Lord and Savior, putting our complete trust in him, our complete faith in him, living our lives for him, picking up our cross daily, and carrying it to follow Christ and truly loving God. Now, if you've been going to church for a while, you've, you've put your faith in Christ, you've been loving God and what you think is the best you can do, I want to encourage you and say that I think we're probably in the same boat when I say that none of us have mastered this. I really wish I have, but if loving God is keeping his commandments, I know I haven't been perfect. And so I have a challenge for you guys. To identify your strengths and your weaknesses out of those four. We talked about your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Identify what you're good at. Maybe you're really good at serving. You... You don't just open doors for people when you're at a restaurant. You are actually the hands and feet of Jesus. You are serving people. You are taking the gospel out into the world. But when it comes to taking every thought captive in the meantime, it's not happening. So identify what you're good at. And when you feel distant from God, go back to that. Take comfort in the gifts you've been given and in the ways that you love. But don't stop challenging yourself. To love God in your weakest areas as well. We make a lot of resolutions every single year. And I encourage you guys to add something a little bit more meaningful than losing a few pounds or getting a Peloton. Love God in your weakest areas as well this year. So in the beginning of this message, I promised that I had a a great way to make 2021 better. And some of you have put it together. And some of you are like, what happened to that promise? I was here for that. I really wanted that. This is it. When we make loving God our biggest priority in life, we cannot go wrong. When glorifying God is your purpose, your perspective on life changes. And I'm not saying that nothing bad will happen this year. And maybe I'm a pessimist. But I actually think that we don't have a whole lot of a reason to believe that 2021 is going to be better than 2020. that's partially because different things made last year bad for all of us. And so I'm not saying that nothing bad will happen when you start loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What I'm saying is that it hurts a lot less when your heart is consumed with the Word of God, when your mind is filled with thoughts that glorify God, when your soul cries out for God, And when you spend all your time working for God, life seems a lot less bad. So if you love God with everything you have, I have a promise for you. You'll never regret it. Last thing I want to leave you guys with is this. If 2021 2021 cannot be bad when your identity rests in our God who is so, so good. And that's my prayer for you guys today. I hope you would join me in praying for that for me and for those around you and for yourself. I'm going to pray and then Tim will come up here and dismiss us. Please bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for the people here that do not know God, that do not know your Son, that aren't living their lives sold out for Jesus. God, that they would Understand that we're all sinners and we have all fallen short of the glory of God like your word says. God, that we would repent of our sins and chase after you. God, for the believers in the room, I pray that we would understand where we do well and where we do bad. We would recognize those both equally and do our best to actually love you with everything we have that... The theme of our life would be to glorify you, God. God, we're grateful for this day. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here today to speak to these people. But God, most importantly, we're grateful for the mercy and grace that your son showed on the cross for us. We pray all this in his name.